eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to On the Bench. I am Josh Newberg. I've got Chris Nee and Brendan Sinone here with me. Uh, we are... This is kind of like the supplement to our Monday pod. It's Wednesday, but it's been a long week and it's a holiday week. We're just glad to be here sitting on the bench with you guys. Uh, Florida State defeated Boston College over the weekend, 26 to 23 up in Chestnut Hill. Uh, Chris Nee was there. Brendan Sinone was watching from home. I was watching kind of, but I'm going to let you guys uh, rehash this one after you've had time to rewatch it. I mean, a lot of what I saw the first time around in uh, Chestnut Hill was what stood out to me in a rewatch of it. Keir Thomas was phenomenal. Jermaine Johnson was also phenomenal. You know, the stats weren't as gaudy as Keir Thomas. It's pretty incredible when both ends have a day like they did. I thought the entire front four was phenomenal throughout that entire game. I also thought Kalen Deloach played the best game of his Florida State career, and the safety was a phenomenal play. And he had a couple other moments in that game that was good. I think it's it's worth praising the growth that we've seen from Kalen Deloach over this season and the player he's becoming and the fact that Chris Marv has done a phenomenal job of coaching him up and turning him into a better player. You know, I think Chris Marv's a guy that gets plenty of flack. Some of it deserved for the lack of recruiting results to date, but there's results there with what's going on with him. Um, offensively, I, I thought FSU was good. Uh, BC does a pretty good job of trying to kind of slow you down and not let you uh, attack the air a ton you know they're one of the better teams in the country against the pass I thought FSU was very good should have maybe had a little bit more pointage in the first half but in general I thought it was a really good game from the Seminoles I don't want to get Sinone all stirred up again on the officiating it was miserably bad in person but that's the ACC that's sort of what they live with they're willing to allow bad officiating and it continues to permeate and it hurts games slows them down and it's annoying but they're not going to do anything about it so I'm not going to I'm not going to jump on that dead horse anymore Jump on a dead horse. Well, beat it. Pound that it, dead whatever. horse. Oh my God. I agree with Chris. It, it was disappointing that it couldn't be a blowout win for Florida State because that first half they were trending to that and they had deserved it. They had very much so emasculated Boston College, what they did. But that defensive line did to a very good offensive line. It was really good on the first watch, even more impressive on the second watch. As as Chris said, I mean, Kerry Thomas was a, a man uh, amongst boys, really. Like he was, he was dominant. It was really impressive what he did, uh, and for Jermaine Johnson to be that complimentary piece as well. Chris mentioned Kalen Deloach, like certainly, like he he's gotten, you know, he's gone from someone who's made a lot of hustle plays and effort plays to someone who's diagnosing things quickly and getting guys lined up, and that's it's been cool to see that gradual progression. Akeem Dent, 
to go ahead and get that safety. You know, earlier in the week, there was a, a drill where they're going two-minute drill and Akeem Dent's playing, you know, halves coverage uh, in the back end of the defense and he, he has half the field. And uh, Jordan Travis throws a, uh, like a go pattern to Pokey Wilson in the cornerback. The shadows Pokey. And Akeem just makes, frankly, what was like an NFL caliber play, like to turn and run and take up that much space and see it the way he did. Oh, my, my mic's rubbing against my jacket. Sorry, guys. Um, it was really impressive how quickly he was able to run and get to the ball. But Akeem Dent drops it, which is what Akeem Dent normally does. <laughs> and not only does he drop it, it bounces off his hands and into Pokey Wilson's hands and leads to a touchdown. For him to have that moment of redemption in the game was really cool. But beyond that, he played a really good game uh, even before that that big play happened to kind of ice ice the game. And mm -hmm. to me, that's a microcosm of what we've seen under Mike Norvell. I said, I think on last week's podcast, we have to get used to guys getting better sometimes. Like that is something that hasn't we're, happened We're so lot. used to casting them off. Right, like, exactly. You are totally right. We this give guy up had on a guys. chance, and yep. now he's done. Uh, Jordan Wilson is another example of that. We were about done with him a month ago. He has played – He's had one nice catch every single game. He's blocking better. Andrew Parchment, you know, against Miami, that was someone we were done with. Chris was done with him in that game. I was done and with him at Clemson. And you were done with him at Clemson, and then you were done with him in Miami when he lost the ball or, or didn't run the right route. That was he didn't run the right the right route uh, and didn't see Jordan's check. But guys are allowed to get better, and that's something I've said for a while. And it's just tough was tough to believe because we hadn't really seen. Mm -hmm market growth. And I think that's what I took from Saturday's contest in the rewatch, Josh, was this team is getting better yeah. and thought they were getting better. And now we know they're getting better. And that's, what's cool to see. It was kind I of also, like, we saw that redemption with, with Dent and now we're seeing it with other guys. So you got to believe now, like guys, you can't cast off a Brendan Gant. You can't cast off uh, a Mari Gaynor. Like these guys are going to have a chance to get better under this staff. And it doesn't mean they will, but that means they can Josh. Yep. Uh, and also, uh, you missed a chance for a pun there, a redemption story. I'm leaving that to you. Thank you. Another guy worth mentioning from the game before we move on from it, Master Mono. I think you guys talked about him in an instant reaction. He was phenomenal. He had a great, great game. He's had a really good season. Uh, I feel like he's gotten better with each game, too. And he's a guy that's punting with a ton of confidence right now. And that, that coverage unit, for all the woes that special teams has had throughout this year, punt coverage has been pretty damn good. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's move on to some recruiting and then we're going to preview the UF game before we get out of here. So recruiting, I'm not really sure what we want to hit on. Um, one thing that broke on Knowles 24 seven on Monday, Monday, Monday. Yes, it was Monday. It was when I was flying back. Yes. Um, Florida State has offered Oregon wide receiver transfer Micah Pittman, the 2019 four-star prospect, entered his name into the transfer portal on Monday morning, and he informed Zach Blostein of Knowles 24-7 that Florida State was one of the first two teams to call him along with South Carolina. Um, the word I'm getting is Florida State really likes him. This is the first transfer wide receiver that FSU is 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 in on right now this, this offseason, or well, this cycle, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think that obviously they have the, the Bartow connection, but Florida state's offense is what they're trying to sell him. They're trying to sell him on the idea to come in here and be the playmaker that they need. Um, I think he's going to come and take a visit probably sometime in early December before the new year. Um, 
But I don't know if he's in a rush to make his decision. Zach talked to him. We had a story up on Knowles 24-7 on Monday, full quotes from Michael Pittman himself. Um, Pittman just does not seem like he's in any sort of he has, he has he has no timeline. He's talking about making a decision by the time summer starts, which means he would miss spring practice. So um, do you think it stays like that, Chris, or do you think somebody talks Michael Pittman into joining a team in the spring? I mean, I think it would be advantageous for a young man to get those 15 spring practices. So hopefully he comes to realize that. So as I said, I was kind of out of pocket Monday with travel back. So I wasn't knee deep uh, in the Pittman situation, but yeah, I any kid that's transferring that knows he's departing a program, it would make sense for them to get there for the spring. I think we've seen with transfers in an FSU perspective this year that guys who got that spring under their belt were much further along than the guys who came in much later, specifically a wide receiver parchment who came in much later. That probably hindered him to some degree, and it's probably some of the reason why he's been extremely up and down and struggled at times during the regular season for FSU. Yeah, no doubt. And even guys, you know, Gibbons came in in June, but – Ideally, of course, you'd wish you had a couple more practices and a, and a couple more scrimmages with them for sure. Um, it's worth mentioning that there's a ton of FCS guys entering the portal right now. I think upwards of 150. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I think that Florida State's going to try to stay um, recruiting big time players. I know they got Bless Harris from Lamar, um, but if you look at their track record with Jermaine. Johnson and Keir Thomas and Jamie Robinson. I mean, these guys came from SEC programs, not just, you know, some, some lowly FCS programs. So I know there's a lot of active names out there from the FCS level, but I just, I, I just, I think they're going to try to supplement this with guys that they know are ready to go. How many players do you think FSU ends up recruiting from the portal in this class, this specific off season? How many do I think that they land? No, um, no, just what do you, like what do you think the, the range, the magic number is of guys yeah. at FSU will probably a lot for portal types? I would say six to eight. They've done the last two years, 10 each class. Is that, is that right? Um, not 100% sure offhand. Sounds Depends how you count McClellan, right. too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, he's, if, listen, if he wasn't on scholarship before, he deserves to be he on should be next They're gravitating towards trying to be more high school heavy, but they yeah. still have positions holes deficiencies that they need immediate help and they also need long-term help so those are spots where you're going to see them go portal for a guy who can help immediately and possibly high school ranks for a guy who they can hopefully develop and turn into something down the road or if they're lucky and land a high schooler who can be more of an instant impact type they may look at the portal and still try to get a guy who can be a depth piece a helper you know bless harris i think to some degree fits into that whole narrative of See a guy who, who's going to immediately succeed into the offensive line starting rotation? I'm not convinced of that. Does he help your depth? Most certainly. So I, I think we're going to see kind of a mixed bag there with what they go after in the portal. So what do you but think I, of my number six to eight? I think it might be just a – I'd probably set it at seven to nine personally. So we're in the same ballpark. What if you guys had to pick, let's say, the three most important positions in the portal, like the absolutely 100% unequivocally – if we are talking about this in five months from now, if you missed on these three positions, it would have been a disappointment. Well, I'll go first. I, my hope is that they get a couple of high school linebackers that doesn't make linebacker being one of those. Today, as it stands, I would say linebacker is one of those. But my hope is that they land a Wesley Besank, somebody of that sort. That alleviates that need to some degree. I would say, <clears throat> excuse me, a center most likely would be one. I, I just think they got to get somebody to push Maurice there. I would say a wide receiver is certainly one and may actually be two of them. Um, 
And then probably at the end, because even if you do land some high caliber defensive end, say Marvin Jones Jr., somebody of that caliber, I still think it's going to be a necessity to have somebody in there to help push McClendon and Fuller as more of a veteran type while you kind of let Jones Jr. come along. Because, well, he's a guy that, you know, saying they were to get him in this scenario, who I think certainly will play as a freshman. I don't know if he needs to be the guy as a freshman. Yeah, I think. Uh, probably wide receiver QB and defensive end would probably be the most three impactful positions. I think defensive end is really key because McClellan and Fuller are just not going to get it done. You're talking about a steep drop off from this year to, to next year. If you're dependent on those guys is, and I know, you know, they are going to get some supplements in there. They, they will get some transfers, but I don't know if Fuller is ever going to be a guy that is going to take 75% of the snaps on defense. I think he's more of a rotational guy. And then, you know, we haven't seen much from McClellan yet. So I'm really concerned about the defensive end if they don't get some some studs in there. The Mac boys are messing up Josh. He's out here calling McClendon McClellan tonight. Or this yeah, afternoon. I'm all, but I'm it, all happens, it happens to the best of us. The Max. I got I got eaten up by the Max. Um Real quick, Zach. Are you are you still on board with the QB transfer, Brendan? <laughs> My take there looks better and better every passing day, doesn't it? The fastest way to improve the roster. But anyway. Um, yeah, go ahead and find – you know what? Find a better quarterback in the portal than Jordan Travis. I dare you. I can't. Jordan Travis is just on my podcast. I can't be trying to replace him already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Listen to Big Man Big Heart. Um, all right, more Dylan recruiting. Podcast. Plug season. Also, speaking of plugs, Dylan has implied that he wants to talk about bourbon on a podcast. I run a bourbon podcast. He's talked about it on yours. We have a podcast together. I think we just need to combine five different podcasts into one. All right. Big, big, big bourbon on a bench. <laughs> big bourbon on the bench. There you go. I like it. <laughs> Someone, somebody, one person's gonna fall off that bench if Dylan Gibbons sits on it. I promise you that. <laughs> well, uh, the only thing I'm falling off of is a wagon. Am I right? Yeah. All right. Soon. Um. A uh, real quick. So Zach had mentioned, or he Zach had was covered the press conference. Chris was traveling. I was down in St. Pete to go see a doctor. I mean, people don't even know why I was down in St. Pete. He was at the press conference. He talked to uh, John Papuchis about what the defensive ends have done this year, how that can be impactful in recruiting. And Papucci said, like, yeah, absolutely. Like, do I, do we know that, you know, a high school kid is watching Jermaine Johnson and saying, yeah, I'm going to be the next Jermaine Johnson and get 11 sacks. He's like, no, we don't know that. He's like, but I use that information. That information is going to be helpful on the recruiting trail. Mm -hmm. so my point being is like, yeah, I agree with you, Josh, totally that defensive end has to be a priority, uh, at least one, if not, not two potentially. But think about how appealing Florida State can be to to transfer defense events. A year ago, we're going to find out. A year ago, we didn't know like if they could convince guys you know, like someone of Jermaine Johnson's elk, even before he was Jermaine Johnson. You know, someone who was getting five sacks in the SEC to come here. That was a big haul. Now you can say, all right, yeah, you guys, you want to get drafted and help your draft side? We we can help you with that. So that's going to be a big recruiting tool. That's yeah, and other programs are going to be able to say that too because there's other yeah. transfers that went places that did really well and are going to get drafted. But I do agree with you. I just don't know what Florida State's brand is on the transfer market right now. Like we're so close to the situation. I, yeah. I agree with everything you said. I think that Florida State can sell that. I think that that's a, a, a great recruiting pitch to, to, to potential transfers. We just don't know yet if Florida state is viewed as a destination for these guys, yeah, you know, we, we don't know yet. We're so close to, we understand, we know the inner, inner workings of it all, but do these, does the brand 
cross over outside of you know just this close knit group of people that are following the program. We'll, we'll see. You, you, this sounds like a PR movement that FSU football might need to do on the Twitter fair. Oh, there you go. Uh, Twitter, Twitter fear, Twitter, Twitter fear, Twitter. I, I do think they have in the transfer portal something to sell now more than playing time because before that's mm-hmm. all they could sell, right? But if Alabama or Georgia or Clemson were going after a similar position as you, they also had that so you know playing time. Uh, not saying that you can recruit with those guys now, but now you have pieces and you you have things in your arsenal to where you right. can say, we can do this. You have a blueprint to an extent. And that, that's what's been so big about this back half of the season. Not just the individual production for someone like Jermaine Johnson or hell, Dylan Gibbons, the ACC player of the week. Like he's positioned himself. If he has a good 2022 campaign, someone who's going to be potentially draftable. Like, okay, you have stuff where you can start selling people now. And that's, we talk about the climb. We talk about adding building like this is this is all part of that and it's not a one-year anomaly you got the fabian love it's Devonte love taylor's those types you can also point to as yeah, multiple year guys yeah. who have had the opportunity to start here develop here mm-hmm. you know and love it's case certainly become better love taylor's been pretty banged up this year and not done a whole lot effectively because of not being 100 but you can point to those guys and say you know we're a place that is appealing to transfers because we are going to play them and there's going to be guys coming back next year who are going to be multiple year transfers, Jamie Robinson, Dylan Gibbons. So you got other examples like that. Yeah. All right. Onto the high school ranks, some more news. I made some news on Tuesday. I put in a crystal ball pick for Florida state on four-star offensive tackle, Julian Armella. Uh, Armella is a legacy prospect for FSU. You guys have heard us talk about him a lot. He goes to St. Thomas Aquinas and on Sunday, He dropped a top four that consisted of Alabama, Florida State, UF, and LSU. Um, It looked obvious to me, Chris, when he dropped the top four. But I wanted to wait a day before I put in that pick for Florida State. I just wanted to see, I just wanted to see if anybody else was going to jump on the obvious, but nobody did. Um, So on Tuesday morning, I put in a crystal ball pick for Julian Armel to FSU, and everybody went crazy. But I didn't think it was that much. I didn't think it was that shocking. I thought it was kind of obvious. I have not put in a crystal ball for one main reason. He hasn't set a hard date. Correct. And he's not an early enrollee because Aquinas kids are not correct. I have that right. He's so, yes. He, he might be an early signee, but right. no, I but don't think he's going to. Right. So I'm interested because Aquinas, one would expect to be in the state playoffs to the championship game. That would push them, I believe, to the dead period. No, they the don't. Weekend of usually... December 10th. It would take them to the weekend of December 10th. I think they're 17th. I think the smaller schools in Florida are the 10th, bigger schools are the 17th. I may have that mixed up. Okay. Um, but anyways, even if it's the 10th, that's still hitting the dead period. Sure. Aquinas doesn't like their guys taking visits during playoff season. That's just a normal standard Frowner, operation yes. procedure there. So I don't expect them to see anybody. So if I'm putting a crystal ball for him picking before the early signing period, it's FSU. If he doesn't sign the early signing period, I'm interested if he gets to January, takes some visits, that kind of thing. So that's the only thing that's caused hesitation. If he sets a hard date for the early signing period, I would be right there following along with you. But yeah, right now, out of those four schools, I feel most confident in FSU, mainly because 50% of them don't have a head coach currently, and the other one's Alabama, and I think they've got a kind of crowded board there, and I'm not sure he's the dude that they're going to allot the scholarship number to. Right. Yeah, that's the way I see it. Um, his He's taken two officials, one to Alabama and one to LSU. Obviously, if if and when LSU gets a new head coach, he can take another official visit there. He can't take another one to Alabama. 
Um, I, I, before I put in the crystal ball, I checked, I do believe, you know, he's going to get one to Florida state. Not exactly sure. Like you said, when that's going to play out based on his playoff schedule, but I feel very confident right now that Florida state's going to land a four-star offensive tackle from St. Thomas Aquinas. That's pretty big news. I had a friend of the show, Ivan, he's probably going to listen to this and freak out, was wondering why we weren't going in with a crystal ball, crystal balls when you put in the top four. He's like, two of those teams don't have coaches and the other one won't take them. He's like, what are you waiting for? I was like, I just wanted Josh to go first. I just didn't feel like writing the story that day because I was uh, <laughs> how I explained my crystal ball pick. I just did not feel because he, he came out with the uh, top four at 6.30 p.m. And yeah, as you Monday. know. I start shutting it down at, at like at 4 p.m. Like Josh doesn't hour, work yeah. past 3 p.m. Yeah, yeah Josh, Josh's internal clock lasts 12 hours. So if yes. he wakes up at 4.30 in the morning, he's he's not worth a damn at 4.31 p.m. <laughs> right. that afternoon. Right. You see me post on the message board at 5 a.m. That's because I am done at like 3.30. That's it. I, I can't do it anymore. So anyway, I didn't feel like writing the story on, on uh, Sunday night. So I wrote it or Tuesday morning. I wrote it. Um, I think it's pretty obvious. We'll see see what happens moving on Wesley Besaint, the four-star linebacker from Miami central uh, Andrew Ivins. Thank you. Andrew got caught up with him today. Um, some of the highlights in that story that you can find on Knowles 24 seven, he is not expected at the UFFSU game. All of those visits are canceled. Wesley Besaint was going to take an official there this weekend, but that is no longer um, unofficial. Was it, un- or was it an official? I don't know, but he was supposed to be there. Either way, Wesley Besaint was going to be in Gainesville to watch UF FSU, but the Gators are not hosting official visitors now that they do not have, or any visitors, now that they do not have a head coach. That's not an uncommon move. We saw it happen at Florida State as well. Um, Besaint is working towards a decision on, I think it was December 4th. Yep, December 4th. And the big news coming out of this is Florida State is expected to get the last in-home visit. Uh, Chris, do you think that'll be enough to sway Besaint to Tallahassee? I think that's a heck of a battle between FSU and Miami. I've thought that for a good while. I think Sabbath Joseph and Randy Shannon have done a phenomenal job, along with some others on the staff here at Florida State, at positioning the Seminoles. I think they got a real shot there. Um, I think some of the uncertainty in Coral Gable certainly helps FSU's cause, too. But I don't think he's going to make a decision anytime before maybe December 2nd or 3rd. Like, I I just – some Florida kids in general, I don't want to paint too broad of a brush with this idea, but they usually kind of decide at the last moment. And I think Wesley falls into that boat. Okay. Yeah, we'll see on him. Um, no crystal ball picks on him this week. Did you put one in? I didn't. I did not. But I'm, I'm waiting for your peer pressure on Andrew to pay off for us all. Bud Elliott – updated his crystal ball confidence on Wesley Bassin from a four to a six. Hey, Oh, from four to six. I don't know what, I don't know what transpired, but uh, that's, that's quite the confidence leap. It's a good sign, I guess. I'm, I don't know. Four to six was my nickname in college. Hey, Oh, all right. Hey, Oh, other, other news. Um, Travis Hunter reaffirms his commitment to FSU. I guess oh, on oh, Monday God. there was some rumors. Not 13th rumors. or 14th time. Yeah, I don't know. Rivals.com Georgia writer put in a pick for him to flip from FSU to UGA. Of course, that meant that we had a ton of questions to answer. And, um, you know, I think it was written pretty simply a million times. I expect for. Travis Hunter to sign with Florida State in a couple weeks. 
That was my reaction to everything. I still, I don't care. I don't care who put in a crystal ball pick to, to where Travis Hunter is going to sign with Florida state in a couple of weeks. So, um, and since then, Travis Hunter has come out and said, you guys need to chill. I'm committed to Florida state. As the fan of the freak out, the Travis Hunter freak out fan club, I wasn't even concerned about that when I was telling people. Yeah, you were a little bit. You're in the group chat. You're like, Josh, well, is this guy you, reputable? I said, so, no, yeah, he's I'm, a clown. I'm, I'm traveling. And I was Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, he just said that. That's fine. <laughs> Whatever. Um, <laughs> I was traveling and I'm getting people texting me like, Travis Hunter, Travis Hunter. And I have no idea what's happening. I can't pull over and see like what, what exactly is occurring for everyone to be talking Are you trying about to drive this? with your knees chris knees awkward anyways i'm not worried about it i'm as confident now as i've ever been and it means i'm up to wow 7.3 all right no, well, wait, very sorry, good no, wait, no wait. my concern is higher i'm up i'm down to a 3.7 <laughs> Whatever. Uh, no new news on any of the major targets. Marvin Jones Jr. is still participating um, in the playoffs, but he's supposed to be at Georgia this weekend. Um, Kevin Coleman. Where was Kevin Coleman? He was at USC last week. I, yeah, you got to see USC back. get their asses. Their, I'm sorry. This is Thanksgiving, pre-Thanksgiving children in the car. You got to see USC get their backside kicked. Chris is swearing like God. I was trying not to. I, I tried not to. I really tried to save myself there. I'm sorry. I apologize. All right. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. But um, yeah, Kevin Coleman, that was kind of a throwaway visit to USC. The big thing with him, we're just still watching is to see if he gets a visit set to Florida State in December, an unofficial visit. And we'll know more about that because I expect FSU to be on the road next week doing in-home visits and Kevin Coleman. I fully expect Kevin Coleman to get an in-home. So we'll see what transpires out of that. Um, anything else you want to talk about in the recruiting segment of this podcast? I'll throw a couple quickies in there. Uh, Tay Woody's expected at Auburn for the Iron Bowl as things stand right now. Jerron Willis might be at UF, according to what Blake Alderman put out. I know Josh said that UF's not really hosting a lot of kids, and that's true. They may still have a few show up that had previously planned to go for unofficials. Uh, Nigel Kelly was supposed to be at Auburn. He then told Andrew Ivins today that that is off. At this point, it doesn't hmm. look like he's visiting anywhere this weekend. Interesting. Uh, DeCarlos Nicholson, I believe, is taking an official to the Egg Bowl. He's definitely supposed to be at the Egg Bowl. I think it's an official. That's not one we're keeping an eye on. Those are the main ones that, as of right now, here on Wednesday afternoon, I know of. I usually really focus in on the visits Thursday and Friday. All right, Brandon. You get to keep your Tyree West crystal ball at a 10. Yeah, I did. Um, Yeah, I actually need to move mine up with the whole I might visit Tennessee, which is code for I don't think he's going to visit Tennessee. No, Tennessee is getting the full Tyree West experience. Yes, You know know what scares me? No one's even mentioned, but I just went as soon as I was like, oh, he's opening it up. Ole Miss is the one. Like, if they show up, that's who I get scared of. There's no thing I base that off of other than just being Ole Miss. (laughs) And being scared. Yeah, always. <laughs> All right. Uh, the final segment, Brendan, take us home. Uh, we're talking about UF this upcoming weekend. Yeah, yeah. Florida, the FSU has a game, and it, it's the battle of the bowl. Whoever wins, it's like a playoff, guys. Like people talk about the college football playoff. This is the state playoff. Whoever wins this game goes bowling. So the game's at noon. It's in Gainesville. There are rumblings that like Florida State fans are going to pack the house. If you're thinking about going, go like because this team does legitimately deserve your support. Uh, this has been a really fun, likable, enjoyable team. Like predicate effort and heart. 
So anyways, they're going into Florida right now. And this game opened with Florida as a 10-point favorite. And the line shifted in about 20 minutes after Dan Mullen was fired to Florida. I think it got as as much to or little as Florida giving one point. And that was it. And that's settling in about two and a half points or so, as, as we're discussing this on Wednesday afternoon. So uh, that's certainly uh, an interesting dynamic that was going to make this game kind of difficult to judge. And one of the reasons why we're not doing a huge like breakdown of it, because like they're short three coaches, including their, their play caller on offense and Dan Mullen, uh, their, their play caller on defense and Todd, Todd uh, Grantham. And then, um, the offensive line coach as well. I'm blanking on his name, but they're, they're down three coaches. John Hevesy. 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 And uh, and some news that's come out just recently. So yesterday it was reported that Emory Jones, the court starting quarterback, who's you know really good runner, okay thrower, solid, uh, not great, um, but good in that scheme. And Dan Mullen did a good job with him. He's not expected to play on Saturday. So it'll be the Anthony Richardson uh, show on Saturday. So there's a lot of variables here. I'm going to throw this to Chris. Like I, I just – I have I've watched Florida a couple times this year. I went back this morning, rewatched them against Missouri. I don't have a great feel for this game, but I will spoiler alert when I did a uh, know your foe type of deal with Bob Redman over at our Florida site. I, I'm leaning I'm leaning towards Florida State winning this game. Yeah, I uh, I feel the same way. I, Florida's strength is the running game, regardless of which quarterback it is. They're a very good running team. They rank second in FBS with 5.7 per carry on the season. They're ninth in the power five with 215.4 rushing yards per game. Very good on the ground, but FSU is obviously very good against the run. Conversely, Florida is not very good defensively against the run. FSU is pretty damn good at running the ball as an offense. So that's an interesting dynamic. Uh, you know, when I did the 247, one of the stats I pointed out as a key one is that Florida ranks 119th in the nation in turnover margin. They're negative eight in turnovers gained versus loss on the season. I just think that's significant, especially with the caveat of Anthony Richardson likely being the starting quarterback. Yep. Richardson five, on this what five, five touchdowns, five interceptions. Yeah, he's 33 of 57, so 57.9% for 474 passing. That's only 67.7 per game, but that's obviously because some games he's a substitution versus getting a healthy amount of reps as a quarterback. Five passing touchdowns, five picks. Also a capable runner, 40 rushes, 374 per game, three rushing touchdowns. He has a pair of 100-yard rushing games this season. Richardson's probably the more intimidating of those two quarterbacks as a runner. They're both obviously very capable runners. That's sort of how that offense was built this year. But Richardson's a bit more get downhill, get after you kind of big body guy. So he can do some of that. So I think it's interesting. But if you can force him to being a passer, I think he's far less of a passer than Emory showed himself to be on the season for them. So that's one of the variables. What about the other side? Because I think we think Florida State's defense is going to be able to to stop the run at a competent level and then maybe get to the, the quarterback and, and keep you in there at this point. But I get scared on the other side of the ball, Chris, with the offensive line versus Florida's defensive line. That I think that's the, the one variable that I'm having a tough time accounting for right now. Yeah, the two guys on Florida's front that I would kind of point to and say if those guys have a big day, it's going to be a negative for FSU or those guys are the kind of guys that can change a game for Florida. Zachary Carter, somebody me and Josh are very familiar with, Tampa kid. He's a redshirt senior at this point. Makes you feel old when you realize Zachary Carter is a redshirt senior. 24 career starts, 18 in a row. He's 22nd in the nation, averaging 0.73 sacks per game. Eight sacks on the season, 11 tackles for loss this season. Both of those numbers lead the Gators. He's also got a force fumble and 28 tackles. And then redshirt junior Buck. Brent what, Cox. Year is, what year is Zach Carter? 
I believe he's a fifth year redshirt senior. So I knew Zach Carter since he was heading into his sophomore year at Hillsborough High School. I saw him so at a big eight and a half years. Yeah, he was at Big County Prep uh combine and he was like six foot four 195 pounds pass rush and defensive end heading into his sophomore year it feels yeah it feels like i've known zach carter for 10 years yeah almost have the other guy to mention redshirt junior buck brenton cox jr correct me if i'm wrong believe he started his career at georgia right and got in trouble and that's why he ended up at uf he's he was at uf last year Second on the team, three and a half sacks, six and a half tackles for loss. He also has a team leading 10 quarterback hurries. Those are two guys that can get after it. Muhammad Diabate, linebacker for them, leading tackler with 83 tackles on the season. Free safety Rashad Torrance is second. He actually leads them in solo tackles with 44 on the season, 75 total tackles on the season. Those are the two guys that clean up a lot of plays for them. So when I was looking at the defense, those four names were the ones that I immediately looked at. They got plenty of talent on that side of ball. They haven't played particularly well on that side of ball a lot of the season. Gervon Dexter. Uh, yeah, young against, man who yeah. is fully capable of being a monster. He's not yet reached that point where he's consistently doing it, but he certainly has shown flashes. Yeah, the idea of him and in, in the way Maurice Smith has been playing recently uh, is alarming. And it depends whether you have Devontae Love-Taylor available. Um, whether Darius Washington is available or at a hundred percent. I think he's, he's nursing and trying to give it a go with the lower leg injury. Um, and that injury isn't as bad as initially uh, thought. So my, my dog's crying. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. I mean, this, if the offensive line is semblance of like health, then I think you have a, a good chance of winning. If not, man, you have to scheme your way to a lot of yeah, rollouts with Jordan Travis and a lot of big runs. You're going to have to scheme up. Not going to be a whole lot of stuff that just kind of happens naturally you're gonna have to kind of figure it out and that's the way i think it's crazy that we're saying this i think that's a, where we were you know just six weeks ago or so i think that's how florida keeps it close is if they can beat up fsu's offensive line um but outside of that I just florida state's playing better they've won five out of their last seven florida's only won two out of their last seven there's a quit factor to florida that doesn't exist for florida state like i could see florida state running UF out of the building, if those guys show you on the second half, they don't care to be there or something like that. I don't see that happening the other way. Even though UF has better talent uh, collectively, I don't think they're going to blow out Florida State. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how Florida is both pre-game, you know, are they fired up, which I sort of expect them to be. It is a rivalry game, you know, they're playing for what may be left of their season. I think there's probably still enough guys there that care that want to win that you see a lot of fire. But then it's also going to be interesting after, say, two possessions for each team, where the game stands and how those teams are responding. I'm not concerned about FSU's response. They've been pretty good about that consistently throughout this season. I am interested, say, Florida State jumps on them early, puts up 7 to 14 early points anywhere in that ballpark, and Florida's struggling. Do they just kind of mail it in? Are they done for today? I think that certainly could happen. And I'm very interested to see if that does happen. You know, I, I don't know how much respect that locker room has for a guy like Greg Knox. Sometimes you kind of rally around the new guy to interim and you, you play really hard for him. Sometimes you realize that guy's probably not going to be here in another two to three weeks and you just don't really care. So it's going to be very interesting how the UF team responds. The other wild card is there are going to be some dudes for UF who just decide not to play in this game, you know, receiver like Jacob Copeland, for example, I, I know apparently he made some comments surrounding the time or around the time of Mullen's dismissal kind of being done with it all and whatnot. He's their leading receiver. So, you know, I haven't heard anything about him not playing, but that's one of those things pregame or even leading up to kickoff. I'm going to be very interested to see 
if we see any sort of opt-out types. Do we want to do a little prediction, a little, little little prediction action going on? I mean, it's Wednesday, so I haven't put that much thought into a score and all that fun stuff. I, I do think FSU is going to win. Um, I expect it to be a fairly competitive game because it is still a rivalry game. So I think UF tries to circle the wagons and makes a good effort. Um, but I don't really have a score I want to throw out there because I feel like I could definitely deviate away from that score as I lean towards it. But I, I wholeheartedly expect to pick FSU, and I have for the last, you know, three, four days leading up to this moment. Josh, do you have any any algorithm? Yeah, I think I yeah, I think Florida State goes to Gainesville and kicks the Gators in the ribs. I got 35-24 FSU. Wow. Convincing you know, one. It's weird. I reading the FSU and UF notes last evening while working on the 247. FSU Miami traditionally is a really tight game scoreboard wise. Even you know, good FSU, bad Miami, good Miami, bad FSU. Scoreboard tends to be fairly tight. Last year's obviously an exception in that series, but in general, that's true. FSU UF over recent, I think, decade plus, hell of a lot of blowouts. Like mm-hmm. a lot of 16 point or more games, I think is what it said. There's been a couple close ones, but not a whole lot of extremely close ones. It's just kind of interesting. Does it matter? Probably not, but it's just nonetheless a little bit of an interesting factoid. I wonder how much of that is it's it's the games at the end of the season in modern college football. Like there's a lot of yeah. you know coaching turnover or I mean just look at the last few years in this game. Like there there's been interim coaches. I will say I've flown solo the last two days at practice, but practice has been really, really good. They've been very sharp, very efficient, very into it. Um, you know, fired up, but not like, you know, bad things aren't happening because the energy is high. It, it looks good. It's a, and they've done that now for a couple of weeks. I was gonna say, that's they've been stacked a lot of good practices on top of one another. Almost a month. That's almost been a month now of that being the, the standard. Yeah. Um, no, this team has confidence. They believe in themselves. It's been really cool to see. Norvell if, said a couple guys are game time decisions. Yeah. Um, I imagine that Darius Washington's probably one of those. Uh, Jarrett Jackson, I would imagine he's someone got dinged up. So there's, yeah. there's some guys that those are important guys in the trenches. Like, I don't want to, you know, but I think Those overall, play, that, that, I think that overall they're going to be fairly similar to the players they've been relying upon on the two deep mm-hmm. in recent weeks. Yeah, they seem like they're pretty healthy given you know, you know week twelve here, and it's been a pretty the back half of the schedule hasn't whole, had a whole lot of rest guys in the second half type of quality to it. Uh, the last talking point I want to have with you guys before we get out of here: FSU's at five wins. We're going to go back and we're going to be doing a we maybe doing a season recap pod. This upcoming Monday, we may be doing it, you know, if they make a bowl game later on. But regardless, uh, we collectively said five to six wins. I, I think all three of us were in that five to six win range. So that's what we expect. This is not how we expected to get here, right? No. At, at all. At all. Uh, I think when, when they were 0-2 after the Jacksonville State game, we are saying eh, two or three wins might be difficult. Uh, when they were 0-4, same thing. Uh, two or three wins was going to be difficult. They have worked extremely hard to change the perception of this team, to build some of the culture that Mike Norvell has talked about. At five wins, like you've kind of hit some of the expectations you've had. Now, if you can get that to six and go to a bowl game, I guess, how would we view this team this season if you think a, a win on Saturday versus a loss? Like, Would this be I, – I think people would be disappointed if they lose on Saturday, but I don't want to – 
I don't want that to overshadow the turnaround of this team and that this is still a program, in my opinion, that is moving in a positive direction. That being said, correct me if I'm wrong or if you disagree, fellas, if you go ahead and get that six win, you beat your rival and you beat both your rivals this year and go to a bowl game, that's huge. That's six and six. Everything's fixed. Something that we said in the offseason. I think that's what you get to. I'll let Josh go first on this one. Um, I think short term, yeah, of course, it's going to be disappointing to lose to your rivals in a game that looks very winnable where it did not look very winnable before the season started. But um, I think this fan base and everybody is going to be very excited about the program in the offseason, regardless of this game. But a win on the road in Gainesville would seriously vault FSU recruiting into the offseason with the momentum that they're looking for. I agree with both of you guys. but it's worth saying you beat your rivals, you win your last game. That makes the offseason a heck of a lot easier on you. Mm-hmm. In the sense yeah. of fans having fervor, the question not being asked. Forgetting Jacksonville State. Yeah, six is a much nicer number than five. Being a bowl team is a much better storyline than not being a bowl team. All those yeah. things. It's an important win. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody that's listening. I don't believe we will be back before the Florida game. No, no, okay, no, we won't. So we will see you on the Instant Reaction Pod Saturday afternoon. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.